20 years ago today, the first of the Lord of the Rings movies, The Fellowship of the Ring, was released. So imagine 20 years ago to the day, a slightly more nerdy version of Father Anthony, a teenage version of myself at that, was waiting very impatiently in line with my dad at the movie theaters to finally see the books that I loved so much come to life on the big screen. And it's hard to imagine and describe how much of an impact those movies have had on me. They totally blew my mind. I still listen to the movie soundtracks regularly, usually while I'm writing my homilies, which explains maybe why I'm so dramatic up here sometimes. But with all of that said, as much as I love those movies, I do have something of a bone to pick with the way that Peter Jackson chose to portray one of my all-time favorite characters from the books. I'm talking about Aragorn. Aragorn. For those of you who are not nerds, Aragorn is the heir to the kingdom of Gondor. He is the guy who was called from the very moment of his birth to come and reestablish the lost royal lineage. He was destined to take up the throne and be crowned king. And in the books, Aragorn always knew this, and he always fully accepted this destiny. Aragorn always knew that he would one day fulfill this task, step up to the plate, and take up his rightful place as king. But in the movies, if you'll remember, this is not exactly the case. Aragorn is shown oftentimes instead sort of waffling on his destiny. He doesn't really want to fulfill his call. There's even one line where Gandalf says, well, there is one who could unite them, one who could reclaim the throne of Gondor. And Elrond, another character, says, oh, he turned from that path a long time ago. He has chosen exile. Well, I'm sorry, but he didn't. That's not what Aragorn did in the books. The real Aragorn, the virtuous Aragorn that we find in Tolkien's classic, was a lot more like Jesus. A lot more like Jesus. The same Jesus who in our second reading this morning speaks the words of Psalm 40. As it is written of me in the scroll, behold, I come to do your will, O God. Behold, I come to do your will. That's Jesus Christ, the predestined King of Kings and Lord of Lords, knowing exactly who he is, what his task is, and then freely coming to carry it out, to do God's will, coming to be obedient to the mission that he was given from all eternity. We catch a little glimpse of this in our first reading this morning from the prophet Micah, where we hear that from Bethlehem, this tiny little town, from Bethlehem shall come forth one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient times. Jesus Christ is the ancient of days. His origin is from of old, before time began. He is God from God, light from light, true God from true God. And now he comes to reveal himself at last as the ruler of the universe, a king 
in a little manger in Bethlehem. There's no question of waffling. There's no hesitation. There's no procrastination or avoidance. No, Jesus just says to his father, a body you have prepared for me. Behold, I come to do your will. That's what Christmas is all about. The the, the beautiful feast that we are still awaiting. The incarnation of Jesus Christ at the Annunciation on March 25th is God's preparing of a body for his son. A body that can be offered. A body that can come and do the will of God. Where? Upon the cross. Upon the cross. A body that can take up the throne on Calvary. This obedience of Christ, this taking on of human flesh in order to submit to God's will out of a supreme love. Behold, I come to do your will. Well, that's what affects our freedom and our peace with God. The first reading ended, he shall be peace. That's what creates the peace. That's what actually saves us. The body that Jesus Christ offers out of obedience on the cross, the loving obedience, is the source of our salvation. St. Paul puts it very well in his letter to the Romans. For just as through the disobedience of one person, he's talking about Adam, the first man, the many were made sinners. So through the obedience of one person, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Jesus himself says, I have not come to do my own will, but the will of my heavenly Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. This is what marked the life of Christ on earth at every single moment, in every single breath. I come to do not my own will, but your will, Father. I wonder if we say that, though. I know that in my case, I don't always say that. I usually say something more like, Behold, I come to do my will. I come to do my will, Lord. I come to do whatever I want, when I want, and how I want. Because obedience is really hard for us. Obedience is rooted in a word that means to listen. Obedience is when we listen for what God is asking of us because we know and believe that he is our loving God. And then because we do trust him, and we then freely submit to his command. We engage our will to carry out his will. Saint Ignatius of Loyola once said that it is not hard to obey when we love the one whom we obey, when we trust the one whom we obey. But we don't always trust God, do we? And so we kind of revert back to that other phrase, behold, I come to do my will. And our culture around us, or as I like to call it, our anti-culture all around us, supports us in that endeavor. It deforms us and perverts the way that we think about God and his will for our lives. It pushes us into the direction of self-creation, self-determination. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, CNN, Fox News, all of that stuff is telling you 
over and over and over in different ways that the only thing trustworthy is you. So you have to determine what your life is all about. You have to define the meaning of your life. If that's true, then so much for destiny, so much for a God-given meaning that we have the, the beautiful chance to discover and embrace for ourselves to obey, so much for listening to and obeying the will of a good and holy Father who always wants what's best for us. No, we get to create ourselves. We get to invent ourselves. You might recall that in that notorious Supreme Court decision, Casey versus Planned Parenthood, one of the justices literally claimed that at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the entire universe, and of the mystery of human life. That is an astonishing and absolutely false claim. And it is the claim of our modern world that true freedom can only happen when we get to call the shots, when we create meaning for ourselves and show up. Behold, I come to do my own will. I beg to differ. Freedom is not about determining for ourselves what is real and what is best for us. True freedom is obedience. True freedom is obedience to the will of God. If we have in ourselves the power to respond by grace and say yes to his will, only then will we be truly free and become who we were created to be, to actually accept our true destiny. Until then, we're just slaves of our own will. We are self-centered. We are upset and agitated. We are without peace. We are avoiding who we are called to be. But God wants us to say with our whole heart, mind, soul, and will, Behold, I come to do your will, Lord. I come to do what you want, not what I want. I want what you want, God. At our parish mission last month, John Leonetti shared the gorgeous story of blessed Chiara Badano. She was that young teenage girl who became terminally ill with cancer. In her hospital unit, she began to share her life, her joy, her goodness with all of the other patients there with her. Her prayer in the midst of that, that great suffering was this, Jesus, I want what you want. Jesus, I come to do your will, not my own. I only want what you want. That's at the heart of our faith. We don't want to assert ourselves over and against what God wants for us. That only breaks us and it only breaks relationships. What if instead we said, Lord, I really don't know what's best for my life. I don't know what to do, but you do. And I come to do your will. That's an honest prayer. But it is a prayer that then demands something from us, right? Because once we have sincerely discerned God's will by examining the sacred scriptures, listening to the church's authentic magisterium, and coming to the Lord in humble prayer, well then, when we know what he wants from us, we got to do it. And we got to do it promptly. We cannot, at that point, 
kind of pretend not to know what he's asking from us. And I think that Mary, the mother of God, shows us what that looks like in our gospel this weekend. At the beginning of the story that we just heard from the Gospel of Luke, the story of Mary going to her cousin Elizabeth to help her when she is pregnant with John the Baptist, well, we hear this line at the very beginning of our Gospel today. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste. Traveled in haste. Now, that's not like a frantic or a frazzled haste at all. It's more like an urgent haste, the haste of knowing what God's will is and then obediently carrying it out, doing it promptly, doing it with peace, knowing that her cousin was depending on her. That's another really important component to true obedience. Not only do we want to say, behold, I come to do your will, O Lord, we also want to do it promptly without hesitation, without procrastination, without waffling. Any kids here today, teenagers or maybe younger, younger little brothers and sisters, I encourage you to promptly obey your parents. Promptly. Don't wait around. Because really, if you think about it, it only gets harder and harder and harder and harder to obey, to make the bed to do the chores, to put the toys away, when you keep on putting it off and you keep on resisting the will of your parents. Something like that happens with all of us in our relationship with God, too. If we promptly respond, even when it's hard to, even when it seems like there are better things to do, if we promptly respond, things will be a lot easier. It doesn't have to seem so overwhelming if we respond with humility and love right away, just as Mary did in our gospel, always saying yes, always giving in, submitting, always surrendering to God's will. Behold, I come to do your will now, promptly. As soon as it becomes clear to me, Lord, I come to do your will. I just want what you want, because I'm not my own creator. I didn't make myself. You are my creator, Lord. You know the plan for my life. Help me to want that. Help me to do your will.